For those that don't know, my name is Andrew, and I am the Bridge Kids Pastor here at this campus and at the Goldsburg campus, and uh, it is an absolute honor to be here uh, with you this morning and filling in for Pastor. He is finishing up his vacation this week, and uh, so he will be back with us in the pulpit next weekend. But you came on a good Sunday because we are in part two, and we're actually finishing up the series called What Did You Expect? And uh, Pastor Jared did an incredible job last weekend. He talked about our expectations and what happens when the things we expect take patience. What happens when the things we expect don't happen as quickly as we would like for them to. And uh, so if you missed that message, I would highly encourage you, go on our website, check that message out. Pastor Jared did an incredible job. But, uh, but hey, what did you expect, right? See? See what I did there? Okay. It's early. Uh, you'll, you'll catch up with me here in a minute. Anyway, all right, well, here's what I know. I know that expectations are powerful. Whether we get what we expect, we don't get what we expect, or our expectations are totally blown, or our, even if our expectations are overmet, somebody does more than what we expect. Our expectations have the power to affect our mood, our happiness. They have the power to affect so much about our lives. One of the expectations that I have recently kind of found out about and I'm learning more about uh, each and every month is the expectations are really the difference in expectations uh, whenever a, a mother has the child or the children versus when a father has them. And, and here's what I mean by that. You ladies have it tough, okay? I just want to go ahead. I'm a dad. I, I want to go ahead and put that on record. You have an unenviable job because when you have the children or the child alone, uh, we expect it to be just like normal. The kids are still going to get picked up from school on time. They're going to eat a nutritious dinner. Homework's going to be done. They're going to make it to practice on time. Just on and on and on it goes. There's no difference. We expect pretty much the same thing to happen uh, as normal. Dads, not so much. I've learned that, that we oftentimes maybe expect a little bit less out of the dads. Now, not all dads. So, so if you're a dad and you're killing it, man, there are some of us out there uh, and some of you out there, and so don't email me. I get it. You're great with your kids. But some of us struggle. And uh, I had always said, I am not going to fall prey to that expectation. I am going to be better than, I'm going to be, you're not going to know who has Mason, if it's Nicole or me or whatever. And so uh, a couple months ago, my beautiful wife and I, uh, she's not here this morning because she's leading worship at Goldsboro because she is incredible. Um, and so she's actually got Mason with her because we didn't want there to be an expectation drop. Um, anyway, so a, a couple months ago we had our son, and uh, I said, man, it's not going to be like that with me. I'm going to be different. And so we were at the two-month checkup or whatever it was, and we were scheduling the four-month checkup, and Nicole said, well, I'm not going to be out of school yet. Can we push it back or what? She looks at me and she said, I mean, do you think you can bring him by yourself? And I looked at her, and, and see, I take him to daycare every day, so I was like, 
woman? You know, <laughs> don't doubt me. I got this. I then realized I maybe should not have thought so highly of myself. Because, see, when the day came, uh, this is the day of his four-month checkup. Now, she has reminded me the day before. She woke me up that morning as she was leaving for school to go to work. She said, hey, remember today. Got it, baby. Listen, who are you talking to? I'm the I got this. So, well, of course, it is not a normal day. Mason wakes up an hour earlier than he normally would. And so the whole time I'm feeding him the bottle, I'm just praying. Lord, please let him go back to sleep. I just want one more hour of rest. How many parents have prayed that prayer right there? I just want one more hour. So I'm kind of praying that. And, and thank you, Jesus. He fell right back to sleep. It was amazing. And so I looked at my alarm clock, and I remember thinking, well, he's not going to need to wake up at that time anymore, so I can click that thing off. What I neglected to do was set it for the new time that we would need to wake up. Well, of course. So I, I wake up, and Mason's good. He's in his crib. He's, he's happy. Uh, but I realize as I look at the clock, it is only 40 minutes until we're supposed to be at his doctor's visit. Now, if you don't have kids or if you're single or whatever, you, you can't appreciate that because you're like, 40 minutes? Man, I can hit the snooze button two more times. Psh, got this. But if you, when you have a kid, you have got to have a plan of attack. I'm telling you. So long story short, I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to try my hardest because I've already looked at my wife and said, woman? You know, so I cannot mess this up. So I'm in a huge rush. Give Mason his, I feed Mason. I feed me because that's important too. I, I clothe Mason. I clothe me and, and, and we're getting ready to head out the door. And I'm like, oh man, where is my wallet? Start thinking, unbelievable. I have left my wallet up here at church. I'd left it at my desk here at the church. I'm thinking, well, I've got to pay the doctor bill, so I've got to come get my wallet. So I go ahead and call the doctor. I say, hey, look, we're going to be about 15 minutes late. We're still coming. Man, I'm so sorry. Is that possible? Yeah, no problem, Mr. Price. We got you. Come here, get my wallet. As I'm going back out to the truck, I look at Mason, and I realize... I've not combed his hair. And so normally for a four-month-old, that's not a big deal. But my son was born with a lion's mane full of hair. So he, he's looking crazy. He, uh, his clothes don't match. I realize that as we've already left the house. And Nicole and I are keeping up his baby book. We're doing a really good job with it. And uh, I know that she wants pictures of this doctor visit. So as I'm looking at him, I'm like, man, she is going to kill me. But we can't do anything about it now, you know, so we got to hurry up. I get to the doctor. I'm a little frazzled because we're late, and I never, I'm never late. I hate being late. Uh, some of you, it doesn't bother you. It, it irks my nerves. And so we're late. We, I get to the doctor. I open the double door to go in, and I make it through safely. And as I'm pulling Mason through in his car seat, the door just closes more quickly than I expect. Wham! Just hits his car seat. He's fine. It just scared him. So in we walk. His hair is not brushed. He's not matching. He's screaming bloody murder. 
and I'm there looking frazzled. And I get to the window, and the lady said, are you Andrew? How'd you know that? There's tons of people in here. And I realized in that moment, I had fallen into the trap of the lower expectations, and I had fulfilled that expectation. I was that dad. And so whether it is an expectation uh, about a, a difference in expectations between fathers and mothers or uh, whether it's expectations we have about virtually anything, because we've got so many expectations, expectations about the kind of house we want to live in, the kind of car we want to drive, uh, expectations about how our kids will behave, how, what kind of grades our kids are going to make. We have all sorts of expectations. And some of our expectations, and the thing I really want to kind of key in on here today, is that some of our expectations can really limit us. We can, we can uh, dream up or have a much lower expectation than we ought to. I think about uh, my high school weightlifting coach. He, he coached football as well. And, um, he is just an incredibly quotable guy. And one of the quotes that he would always say, because... He always dealt with people who did not want to live up to the expectation. You know, in weightlifting, we didn't want to have to try real hard to reach a new max. You know, just whatever we did was gravy. We wanted to make a good grade in weightlifting, so we didn't want to have to try real hard. In football, you wanted your effort to be good enough, and he was constantly expecting more than what you were going to give him. And so he constantly dealt with the pushback of wanting lowered expectations. And I'll never forget what he would say. He would always uh, had this little quote. He said, the man who thinks he can and the man who thinks he can't are both right. That the man who thinks he can and the man who thinks he can't are both right. And here's what he meant by that. He meant that if you think you can, even if you maybe are not able to right now, you're going to keep pushing. You're going to keep working. You're going to try to reach that expectation or that goal. But the man who thinks he can't, well, he's going to pack it up. He's going to be done because he doesn't think he's ever going to get there. And so I, I wanted to kind of uh, play off of that and that thought for this message. And so I came up with a little something different. I, I, I churched it up a little bit. So uh, here, here's what I came up with. Expectation is invitation. Expectation is invitation. And so if you're going to take notes today, if, if you want to write that down, uh, I would encourage you to do that. Um, if you want to post on social media, we're using the hashtag expectations. So uh, I want to welcome our online audience. And if you are not here today and you want to quote something, use the hashtag expectations, everybody will think you were here at church, okay? So just a little heads up for you guys. But expectation is invitation, and, and here's what I mean. That the things we expect to happen in our lives are the things we invite to happen. And so I, I'm not talking about like name it, claim it, and I can ask for anything or I can expect anything and God's just going to do it. We know that's not right. But what I mean is so oftentimes we have expectations on everything else. And we don't expect anything or very little from our relationship with God. We drop our expectations when it comes to our relationship 
with God. What it is that God wants to do in us and what it is that God wants to do through us as a church and as an individual. And so today, I want us to kind of hone in on that and look at our expectations as it relates to our relationship with God. And what I want to do is not just say that, but I want to prove it in Scripture. Because if a pastor tells you something and he can't prove it in Scripture, don't listen to that pastor, okay? You want him to be able to prove it with the Word of God. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, I would encourage you to open to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we're going to have the verses on the screen as well. We are going to be looking at the parable of the prodigal son. One of the most familiar and recognizable parables in all of the Bible. As a matter of fact, even if you haven't come to church a whole lot in your life, odds are you probably know that parable. And, and here's what I know as well. There are some of you here today who uh, you're new to church. Maybe you haven't been coming long. and You've heard that word, parable, but you never really understood what it meant. Well, let me just break that down for you. A parable is real simple. It is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. So it is an earthly story. It's a story that all of us can relate to, but it has a heavenly meaning. And this is the predominant way that Jesus taught while he was here on this earth. I believe the reason he taught that way is because so often the people that would come to hear him they were people who disagreed with him and who hated him. And they were trying to trap him in his words. They were trying to use what he was saying against him. And so he would talk and he would start off with a parable and would use common emotions. You would all be feeling the same way. We all have a kid. You know, all of us that have children, we wouldn't want this to happen or we would want this for them or whatever. And then by the time Jesus would wrap up the story... He would say something shocking, but we were all so heavily invested into the story. We're like, whoa, what just, what just happened there? And so it's the same thing with the parable of the prodigal son. And the other thing I want to say about parables is that they have a definite meaning, but they oftentimes have different interpretations. You, you can interpret them so many different ways. For instance, if we hear a parable about forgiveness... There's a definite meaning, but you may be thinking about a spouse, and you may be thinking about a coworker, and you may be thinking about a neighbor, and you may be thinking about a sibling. Even though there's a definite meaning, it hits us in so many different places because the interpretation is open. And so today I want us to look at this story that has a definite meaning, and that is the restoration of a believer, a person coming to God. Because in this story, the father in the parable of the prodigal son represents God. And if we don't understand that, we'll miss so much of the importance and so much of the symbolism of this passage. So the, the father represents uh, God, our father, and the prodigal son represents us. And so as we kind of dive down in here, I want us to look at it through a little bit different lens, a little bit different interpretation, and that is through the interpretation of expectation, as we talk about expectation, okay? So in verse number 11, we're going to get started here. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. 
So he divided his property between them. Now it doesn't say it in the scripture, but I know this because I know fathers. And when this son said this to his father, there was immediately the sting of unmet expectation. Because regardless of what you expect for your kids, whether you hope they'll uh, grow up and raise a family near you, whether you hope they'll grow up and go to college and get a master's degree and become a doctor, no, no matter what you hope for your kids, you hope they won't say this. Because at this time, this son looked at his dad and said, it is just really taking you a long time to die. And it feels like it's taking forever. And while I'm young, I want to have an opportunity to enjoy some of your money. The sting of unmet expectations. And so it is a, an incredibly brash move, but the father grants him his request. And so let's look at verse 13. It says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. I want you to know something here. It says that the younger son got together how much? Oh, man, I heard Pastor Farrell does that with you guys. Are y'all slipping because he wasn't here last week? Here we go. Let's do it again. The younger son got together Oh, there you go. Hey, he's coming back next week. You got to get back in the swing of things, okay? He got together all he had. Now, I've taken trips before. I've gone on vacations, and I got together some of my things. When I got married, I realized that women get together far more of their things when they go on vacation. But they still don't get together all of their things. This younger son packed up. He was leaving home for good. He was never coming back. And what we see is that we don't know what the length of time was. We don't know if it was a few days or a few weeks or, or what the time frame was. But we see that this younger son, in just a short amount of time, squandered everything. It took his father a lifetime to build and to accumulate. And I'm reminded of a Dave Ramsey quote, and it simply says that what you leave in your kids is far more important than what you leave to them. That what you leave in your kids is far more important than what you leave to them. That's the reason Bridge Kids is so important. That's the reason why uh, the time that you spend with them is so vital. Because they'll run right through what you leave to them. Now, the Bible talks about leaving things to your children and your children's children, and we believe that's biblical. But it's far more important what we leave in them. And so we see that this younger son has gone out and he's squandered everything. And let's pick back up the story in verse 15. So he, began, he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, when Jesus was telling this parable, odds are Jesus concocted the story. That 
the parable of the prodigal son didn't really happen. It may have happened. Jesus may have had firsthand knowledge of it. But it may not have. And we're okay with that. But here's what we know. Jesus was teaching this parable to a group of men who were right there in front of him. Front of him and they were Jewish men. And for a Jewish man, uh, it is considered unclean to eat pork, to touch a, a pig. to it, All that's unclean. So as Jesus was telling this story to these men, they were shocked. They were gasping because, I mean, they were looking at each other and saying, a good Jewish boy, he would know not to do that. What in the world is he thinking? They would understand this, understand this and hate this on a far deeper level than we even know because for them... This son had hit rock bottom. There was nowhere lower for this boy to go. Not only was he in a foreign country, not only had he uh, hurt his father, he had squandered all his wealth. Now he was working with pigs. There was nowhere left for him to go downward because he was there. So they would have hated this story. They would have hated what was happening in this younger son's life. And then we read, as the story continues in verse 17, when he came to his senses, praise the Lord, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and I will go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. See, what he did there was he, he, he decided, I'm going to go back to my father, but the first thing i got to do is i got to kind of get my story together. Because I can't just go back to him, you know, freestyle, and I need to have a story. I need to work on this thing. How many of you have ever done something? Maybe it was when you were a child, or maybe it's been recently, and you knew you had to tell somebody. You knew you had to tell your boss. You knew you had to tell your spouse. And you just dreaded it. And you were like, oh, man, I've got to get my story together. How many, is anybody else with me today ever done that? Okay, a few of you. All right. The rest of you, man, you guys are so holy. <laughs> there was one time we were, my sister and I, uh, we were spending the summer with my dad. And uh, we didn't spend a whole lot of time at his house, but we were there this summer, that summer. And uh, I don't remember how old we were. I think I was a teenager. Not sure if she was yet or not. But there was two years age difference in between us. And so what do brothers and sisters do? It doesn't matter how much age difference. You fight, right? You just kind of fight with each other. You fight about silly stuff. I remember the remote was a big deal back then. You know, We'd knock each other out over the remote. So uh, that particular day, I wish I could set up the story. I have no idea what we were fighting about. Here's what I know. My sister weighed like 100 pounds, soaking wet, and I was scared of her because she's redheaded, and when she would get mad, you know how us redheads are. Arrgh! She would turn into the Hulk, man. And... Uh, so I was running through the house, and somehow she kind of cornered me, and I got into the bathroom, and I knew she was coming, so I just kind of ducked and covered. 
I'm a, I, I mean, ain't much difference in my size now and my size then, but I'm telling you, scared of her. So I duck and cover, and I don't know, to this day, I don't know what she was thinking, but she was so mad. You've ever, maybe you've been blinded by anger. She runs straight into me, and Luke Kegley tackles me into the wall. And y'all, when we step back, we realize there was a hole in the wall where my hip fit perfectly into. And I don't know if you're online and you can see that hip, but that is a big hip. So it wasn't like we were going to be able to put a picture over it or just kind of, you know, oh, what hole are you talking about, Dad? Are you sure that wasn't there before? I think I saw it last time I was here. You know, we weren't going to be able to do that. We were going to have to tell him. It was about 1.30 in the afternoon, and we began to get our story together. Because it's amazing how, uh, you know, we'll fight with each other, but then when our backs are against the wall, we're on each other's team. And so we said, we're going to clean up this whole house. Because if we clean up this whole house and we get our story together, maybe, maybe our Father will have grace and mercy on us. And the last thing I remember doing, this is so silly, I don't, I, but the last thing I remember doing is he was pulling up the driveway and uh, he didn't have an ice maker. And so I was cracking the ice cubes and, and, and putting them in the thing and, and putting the water back in them because I thought maybe after he gets done whipping us, he'll want something cold to drink, you know? I don't know. <laughs> But we got our story together, baby, and we were on the same side, and we both were shocked that hole was in that wall by the time we told that story. And, and kind of almost in the same way, this prodigal son, he gets his story together because he knows he's done too much. He was so brash and so brazen. He asked his father for his inheritance, and he just knew Man, I can't ask to be a son anymore. That's, that's gone. I can't be a son. But maybe, maybe I can be a servant. Maybe my father will love me and will have compassion on me enough to allow me to just serve in his home. And so right here is one of the clearest places that I see expectations in this whole parable. And, and the expectations I see are the lowered expectations that this prodigal son has. As a matter of fact, there's something I want to point out to you. The prodigal son, it's going to come up here. You take a note, so I would write this down. The prodigal son would only go back to his father when his desperation for help exceeded his expectation of judgment. I don't know where you are with God today. I don't know. You may say, Pastor, I... And the closest to God, we have the most intimate relationship we've ever had. That's incredible. Keep it up. There's nothing like abiding in the Father's love. But if you would say, man, I'm running a little bit. There's this sin, and I keep dealing with it, and I, I just hate to ask God to forgive me again. I hate that because I keep messing up, and I keep... Here's what I want to tell you. Do not lower your expectation. Do not think that the Father won't forgive you. Because let's see what happens next. In verse 21, 
Uh, oh, verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. And we said the father is uh, symbolic of who? God. God our father. He ran to him, his son, and threw his arms around him and hugged him and kissed him. Loved on his boy. Because it didn't matter what he had done, where he had gone, how far he was from the father. None of that made a difference. Because as soon as the father got a chance to wrap his arms around him, that is exactly what he did. And I love what we see next. So, you know, just because you hug me and love me when I show up, that don't mean that, you know, you're still not mad at me. So the prodigal son said, well, I better go into that spiel that I've been rehearsing. And, and he had a long walk, so he had been going over this thing and over this thing. And so, and, and so here we are. The son said to him, because he still got to tell him how sorry he is, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I... And the father cuts him off. It's so amazing. The father does not even pay attention to him. He looks over at one of the servants and he says, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and a sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they begin to celebrate. The younger son would only only go back to his father when his desperation for help, he was starving, he was going to die, exceeded his expectation of judgment. And no matter what expectation we have of God, I promise you, he will always exceed it with his forgiveness. God will always exceed our expectation of forgiveness. Tell you something else, when that Jewish crowd that Jesus was talking to heard the father's reaction, they would have gasped again. Because for a a respectable Jewish man, you wore long flowing robes. And so to run meant you would expose your legs. And that was considered, uh, that was just not culturally acceptable. That was not how a a proper Jewish man carried himself. And the Jewish men in the crowd that day as Jesus was talking, they would have been shocked. But here's what we understand about the Father's love. Is that even if it is not considered culturally acceptable, even if it's against a cultural norm, that our Father in heaven loves us so much that it doesn't matter to him what people may think, what people may say. There are some of us sitting here today, and if you could go back to a high school reunion, or if you could go back, and people that knew you B.C. before Christ, if they were to see you now, see you sitting in church, see you serving regularly, they would say, you? Are you serious? Jesus, oh my goodness. Because what's culturally acceptable, what's uh, the norm, 
We see over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus so often did not care about those things. Because his love for people was greater than his love for those social norms or what was considered acceptable. And the father in this story loves his son so much that he runs to him. Because God will always exceed our expectations of forgiveness. Always. We so often limit God and what we think he's able to forgive or how mad he's going to be at us because we've done this thing or that thing. And God will always exceed those expectations of forgiveness. Here's what else I know. We've heard this story so many times in Sunday school and in kids' church. and So you knew it. When I said the parable of the prodigal son, I could have gotten almost this whole crowd to just, you know, kind of say it with me. Okay, what's going to happen now? And, and then what's going to happen? And then what? And, then, and you would have known it and you would have been able to repeat it and tell me. And, but I want to use a little bit more modern day uh, version. I, I, I want to show you just how shocking this is and maybe a story that you don't expect. So I want you to imagine that your friend were to call you, your best friend. So just imagine in your mind, whoever that is, your best friend calls you, and they were to say to you, my child, I got home today, and my child wasn't here. And they took the car I gave them, and they loaded up all my wife's jewelry, and they took my big screen TV, and they took everything of value, and they left. I don't know where they are. Will you pray for me? And, and immediately, as a friend, you would be so brokenhearted. You, your heart would just ache for that person, and you would pray for them. You would begin to think about how you could make it better. Hey, man, I've got a TV in the garage, and I'm not even really using it. You can use, and, and you would just begin to, to come up with all these ways of how you could help them and now I want you to imagine that two years go by. You've all but forgotten this. Of course, you know it's still a sore subject with your friend, and you hate to even bring it up or talk about it when he's around. But one day, your friend calls you while you're at work. And he says, hey, 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 guess what? Party at my house tonight, 7 o'clock. Be there. Dude, what? what's going on? Why, man? That's awesome. What, what are we partying for? My son is back. And as a good friend, you would be, you would have some reservations. You would say, but wait, 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 wait. Did he apologize? Did he say he was sorry? Did you tell him that there's some trust issues and he's going to have to work his trust back up? Did you say I told you so? Did you? And your friend says, hey, 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 hey. Don't even worry about all that, man. A party tonight. My son is back. Did you hear me? My son is back. Be here at 7. Bring the guacamole. Just kidding. That's weird. If you eat guacamole, you're weird. That'll be the only thing you put on social media today. If you eat guacamole, you're weird. Hashtag expectations. <laughs> Pastor Farrell's going to be like, I can never let Andrew preach again. <laughs> anyway... Uh, Oh, the son. He's back. Yeah, that's where we're at. <laughs> In that moment, our expectations are so closely tied to our experiences that we would want to guard our friend. We would want to say, man, I was there for you whenever 
you were going through the pain and the suffering and the hurt. I was there for you when you were dealing with all of that. And I don't want to see you like that again. So you need to talk to your son. And we would set our expectations based off of our experiences. But here's what I love about God. He is so radically different than we are. The Bible tells us that his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. They're so lofty, who can understand them? And when I read this story, there is a forgiveness here that I do not understand. So here's what I know. The younger son expected judgment. There it is. The younger son expected judgment from the father, but he found the father's joy. The younger son expected the father's judgment, but he found the father's joy. He expected to be a servant, but he was still a son. And there was never any question about it. Here's how I know that. The father, before he heard the spiel, before any of that, he said, quick, bring the sandals. Now the sandals, the servants didn't get those. Only the, uh, only the uh, sons got the sandals. The best robe, you would only give that to a uh, member of the family. And then the signet ring. The signet ring represented the family's authority and the family's power. If you stamped something with your family's ring, that was a symbol that you had authority to speak on behalf of the family. Friends, there was never any question in this father's mind the role his son was going to have. He wasn't going to be a servant. He welcomed him right back. As a son. So let's finish out this story and finish out this parable. Meanwhile, the older son, verse 25, was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf for him because he has, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, uh, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this, time, this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, man, he just puts his business all out in the street, doesn't he? Uh, comes home, you kill the fattened calf. My son, the father said. I see expectations all throughout this, all throughout these verses. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So here's what I want to say in closing. Pastor Matt's going to come and play the keyboard. I, I want to ask you a question. I, I, want to, I, want to, I want you to leave with a takeaway today, and here's what it is. How are you expecting God to use you? How are you expecting God to use you? What are you inviting God to do in and through your life. And friends, I've got good news today. 
The Father, he tells us about some amazing things that we can expect from him. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work, where? Within us. That God wants to, to work, but he doesn't want to work independently of us. Then he doesn't get the glory because, uh, I mean, he could, but, but when he works through us, through Christians, through his ambassadors here on this earth, when he works within us, he gets all the glory and the honor. And look at what it says God wants to do when he's working through us. Immeasurably more. We can't even quantify it. We can't put a number on it. We can't even begin to measure it. He wants to do immeasurably more than how much? Than all we ask or imagine. I don't know about you. I've asked for a whole lot of stuff. And I can imagine a whole lot more. And so when I see that God wants to do immeasurably more than all I can ask or imagine, that excites me. Because as I look at me, I'm like, God, how in the world could you use me? How in the world? Why would you? But he knows that when he uses us, he gets all the glory and the honor. So how are we inviting? What are we inviting God to do in and through us? And not only is it personal, but when we come together, like this right here on a Sunday morning, it's collective. That God wants to do immeasurably more through the Bridge Church. Pastor, he'll, he'll come into staff meetings sometimes, and he's heard from God, and he's excited about a vision, and he'll tell us things, and we're like, we're going to do what? God's going to use us how? I'm telling you, we have a vision to reach Princeton and Goldsboro for Jesus Christ. We have a vision that God's going to call us to plant another campus in the next few years and that God's going to reach a whole other community through us. We have a vision that God is going to help prisoners reacclimate to society through our church and through an initiative we're starting. We have an expectation that God is going to reach the next generation through our church and that the people in this community who have kids and want to leave something in them, like we talked about earlier, that God's going to beckon their heart to come here because we're going to reach a generation for Jesus. So we just believe that God is going to do some amazing things through us. We believe that as a church, we're going to change the world. And here's what I know. That those people who are crazy enough to think they're going to change the world, they're usually the ones that do. They're usually the ones that do. So here's what I know. Expectation is invitation. Are we going to invite God to do that through us? Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for meeting us here today. Thank you for all that your word has to say about expectations. God, help us to measure our expectations against you and what you tell us you want for us and what you want to do in and through us. 
God, I, I pray right now that if there is one here who has not accepted you as their Savior, they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, God, that is the greatest invitation that was ever offered. So I pray that they would come to the front and receive prayer. Father, I pray that they would connect with someone in this church body today and that they would not leave until they do. Father, I pray of reaching everyone that's here. Bless them and keep them this week. In Jesus' name, amen.